It's that time of year again. Everyone's all interested in Jesus. You go to the grocery store and there's magazines about Jesus. There's documentaries on different channels about Jesus. There's books that come out about Jesus. There's articles all over even like mainstream news websites about Jesus. And there's a lot of info out there, a lot of information, a, a lot of different beliefs and a lot of really different ideas and some are pretty absurd. And you watching and listening, you might have a lot of questions about Jesus and probably a few doubts. And maybe you feel like there's really just like a lot of baggage for you personally and just historically and all these different styles of Christianity or denominations or, or cultures or histories or stories or myths about Jesus where we don't really even know what to believe like how do we kind of get through all of that to know what's actually going on how do we get to the core of this jesus stuff i think we need a starting point maybe for you uh, you need a new starting point the one thing that that everything else can kind of radiate out of so let's talk about it together So to peel back the layers of 2,000 years of, of myths and misinformation, let's, let's start where the first Jesus followers started. See, the Apostle Paul explained this starting point to Jesus followers in Corinth. And here's what we're going to discover, that the most absurd belief in Christianity is also the most central. And so as we go through this main belief, I want to encourage you, if you have one, get out a Bible or download the Bible app so that you can follow along and kind of see for yourself what we're doing. We're gonna be in 1 Corinthians 15. I'll wait. So Paul wrote this letter to Corinthian Jesus followers around 55 AD. And Paul had been there kind of helping start the church around 51, 52 AD. In fact, that's a historically proven date that we have. It's really how we date a lot of the rest of Paul's writings. And this book, this letter that he wrote to the Corinthians is actually pretty famous. Maybe you even had it at your wedding. This is the one where it has that love is patient, love is kind passage. Well, the, the Corinthians thought they were these um, spiritual gurus or whatever. Like they were super spiritual and he talks about spiritual gifts and that type of thing. And they just, they thought, you know, these bodies that we have, kind of a Greek idea, these bodies that we have are evil and we're just waiting to, to be released from our bodies and and we just care about spiritual things. But Paul explains to them that following Jesus isn't simply a detached spiritual experience because the core of Christianity isn't a detached spiritual belief. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believed something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what has also been passed on to me. And so he's writing them. He's saying, look, I'm going to remind you. you. You Corinthians, you know this stuff. I already told you this. But you're not really like thinking like you know this. You're not acting like you know this. And for most of you watching and listening, I'm not going to really tell you anything new here. Like You know the story. But what I want to do is remind us. Of, of the central truth of Christianity and its importance. And Paul says this is what the central truth is the good news that saves us. Meaning this is 
this truth, this core truth, is what makes someone a Christian. This is what makes someone a Jesus follower. This is what makes a church, a group of people, a church, because they all hold to this one core belief. He says, if you continue to hold to this, meaning if you don't hold to this belief that we're about to share, what are you really? Like, you call yourself a Jesus follower, but if you don't believe the core thing of Christianity, you're not really a Jesus follower. And he says, if this was never true in the first place, then really none of this matters at all. And he says, what I'm gonna, what I passed on to you around 51 and 52 AD is also what was passed on to me. Meaning the truth that he's about to share again was passed on to him by Peter, James, the first Christians, really around 39 AD. So not that long after Jesus' death. See, for 2,000 years, the church has held to and been held together by one central claim. And so what he writes next, what follows, is possibly the earliest Christian creed. A creed is a, a core truth in, in, in a concise statement, right? Something that is repeated often and memorized because oral transmission was very important back then. And so scholars date this creed to no more than, really, five years after Jesus' death. And here it is. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. It says he died for our sins. Sin. That fun religious word, right? We don't hear that much in the rest of our daily lives about, about sin. Sorry, boss, I sin, right? We don't say that. In fact, that word sin, it might trigger you because maybe you haven't heard that word since, since you left church. Or maybe the last time you heard it, it was used against you by that religious friend or that religious relative of yours. But here's a truth that really has been kind of pushed to the forefront of world news right now. Evil is real. It is. We look around. We look at history. Hitler, evil is real. We look what's happening with, with Ukraine right now. Evil is real. And we all have the seeds of evil festering in us. See, we, we deliberately hurt others to get what we want. And biblical authors use that word sin to, yes, describe our actions, but also to describe our innate inner pull to selfishness. The scholar N.T. Wright describes sin as the failure to be genuinely human. See, humans, we all were created to bear the image of God. But we, we reject our role to bear God's image. And we, we reject his perfect love. And we choose a, a cheap alternative instead. We choose to live for our own image, to, to fight for what we think we want and and we hurt those that God created that God loves and the result is separation and death see sin separates and kills it separates us from others because we hurt them for what we want separates separates us from ourselves we don't even like ourselves and it separates us from God and it kills us relationally it kills us physically it kills us emotionally and it kills us spiritually but and this is what Paul is saying Jesus destroyed the power of sin and he made it possible for us to be remade to be restored to our original humanity see the absurd foundation of christianity is jesus physically died and rose again to save humanity from sin and he didn't just just die for the bad things that we did because we're naughty he actually died to deliver us from our innate 
sinfulness. He took sin, all of sin, the idea of sin upon himself on the cross so that sin itself would be condemned. Sin itself would be killed. And because of that, we can be set free. We can actually work out of a completely different operating system. Not by following the right rules. Did you notice anything in that part of the creed that said anything about rules or laws? No. And it's not by having enough religious knowledge and, and having being all spiritual and that type of stuff. No, we are set free. We're made new by choosing to believe that Jesus' death and resurrection frees us from sin. See, faith isn't just a feeling. Faith is a choice. And amazingly, this creed says, this was God's plan all along, as he said, as scripture said. See, the entire story of the Jewish scriptures that Paul's talking about is a narrative of God rescuing the world, of God restoring his original creation. And side note about this, see, Jesus rising from the dying and rising from the dead is not just as scripture said, it's actually as Jesus himself said on numerous occasions that he would die and then rise again. And it says he was raised, meaning he has been raised, implying he is both raised and still lives. But the amazing thing is, as maybe we don't know this, but this belief isn't based on fairy tales. And it isn't based on ancient urban myths that, that came up later in history. He was seen by Peter and then by the Twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. See, Jesus' death and resurrection is an historical event witnessed by historical eyewitnesses. It says he was seen by Peter, and we have the account in the Gospels of Peter seeing the risen Jesus and Jesus walking with him on the beach. It says he was seen by James, who's actually Jesus's little brother, right? See, Jesus, James and, and his other brothers actually became followers of Jesus after Jesus' resurrection, because what would it take? I've said this before. What would it take for you to believe your big brother was God? Probably him personally appearing to you after he died, right? See, we find James later on in history becoming the leader of the Jerusalem church. Jesus personally appeared to his little brother, the the, the one that they like played ball with together and, and ran through the streets together. He said, I was dead and now I'm alive. Look. And so James became a leader of the church because he saw his risen brother. And he says, and then it was appeared to over 500, most of whom are still living, meaning they're still alive. Go ask them. If you don't think this is true, they're down the road. Go ask them. And that's it. That, that's the core of Christianity. It's not that complicated. That is the thing. See, there's, there's no secret knowledge. There's no magic or spiritual ritual. There's no code of laws that, that make Christianity Christianity. The good news that saves is a simple statement that really is almost, almost too impossible, too good to believe. The Christian faith, see, is not about trying to muster up enough blind belief so that now we, we're, we're strong enough and God likes us. No, we don't, we don't trust our own faith. Our faith is a choice to trust that Jesus claimed to be God, that he claimed to be more powerful than sin and death, and then proved it by raising from the dead. See, faith really is choosing to trust that Jesus is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. And you might not believe that. And that's, that's okay. But we can't deny, you can't deny, no one can deny the historical fact that they 
believed it. That the first Jesus followers who were living at that time actually believed this happened. That's a historical fact. See, they didn't believe something that was made up generations before because there wasn't a generation before. They were the generation. If we had gone, if we go back in time and we say, oh, that Jesus stuff that you're all into, that's that's some myth that grew up, you know, over, over the years. <laughs> they would laugh and say, what years? Like, no, Mary saw Jesus die. She was at the foot of the cross. She saw his body be put into the tomb. And then she saw him alive three days later. Go ask her. In fact, she's she's in the house, the third one on the right. Go Go ask her right now. And then, oh, and by the way, John says the same thing. He saw him die. And Peter, and Matthew, and Martha, and Alexander, and his brother Rufus, and Salome, and Joanna. They would say, we saw him eat with us. We actually touched him. We, we felt his breath when we hugged him. We smelled him. See, it wasn't just a spiritual resurrection. Just as Jesus bodily and physically died, he was bodily and physically raised. The first Jesus followers believed Jesus' death and resurrection was real because people they actually knew actually told them they actually saw it. You know, you're saying, that's amazing. Wow, cool historical facts, John. So what? Like, what's the big deal? Most of the world knows that the whole thing about Jesus is that he died and rose again. Big whoop. Like, if Jesus really did die and rise again, what's, what's that mean for us? Like, cool magic trick, but why is that really life-changing? Paul gives us his personal answer to that. And it's actually an answer that billions of people for 2,000 years have also personally experienced. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me, and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. Seeing Jesus resurrected changed Paul's life. You can actually read that account in Acts chapter 9. See, Paul was a hunter of Christians. He thought it was his role to serve God by destroying this, this weird cult of Jesus followers. But instead, he met the risen Jesus. And he went from a Christian hunter to a church leader, the writer of most of our Christian scriptures. And it wasn't because he he changed his mind or he had somebody told him a good argument that he couldn't logically fight against. It wasn't because he, he turned over a new leaf or he turned his life around. He said it was because of the forgiveness, because of the grace God gave him through Jesus' death and resurrection. And it changed who he fundamentally was. I loved when he said, whatever I am now, I don't even know, but whatever I am is because of Jesus. Believing Jesus died and rose again for us profoundly changes us. It reminds me of my favorite quote in, in the series, The Chosen. You that, would you at least know him if you saw him again? <laughs> I don't understand it myself. But here is what I can tell you. I was one way. And now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. And Paul again says, this is the core of all the apostles' teaching. 
So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message you have already believed. The foundation of Christianity is not a set of beliefs, a holy book, or a list of rules. It's an historical event. And this event changed the history of humanity. See, we often over, overlook this fact because we're, we're so used to a world influenced by these changed lives. We've grown up in it. It's been around for thousands of years. It's hard to imagine what the world would be like before. Well, maybe not if we look in the right places. See, we wouldn't know, there would be no hospitals as we know them now because people would say, well, why would we love our neighbors? Like if people are sick, it's probably their own fault because the gods are unhappy with them, which some religions still teach. Love our enemies, like <laughs> maybe love our neighbor, but love our enemies. What are you weak? No, if you need to, if you need to destroy, you need to conquer your enemies before they get you. Sure, love your own people and thrive, but you need to rule over and dehumanize your enemies. Which, if you look at the news, it's still guiding some. That's that's why so many of us are repulsed by Russia's invasion right now. Oh, be generous to the poor. <laughs> Be generous to the poor, share what I've earned. Like I worked hard for that. That's ridiculous. My my wealth proves I'm better than others. Equal rights, justice, protecting the weak. That's stupid. Like the weak need to be ruled or even eliminated because they're taking up resources. It's Jesus's resurrection that changed all of that. That changed everything. That that showed power is not the ultimate goal. That self-preservation really only leads to fear. That trying to selfishly save our lives really leads to no life at all. See, if the resurrection of Jesus really happened, it means there is a God. There is a God who loves us and forgives us and gives us a new life now and forever. It means true greatness comes from serving because the greatest of the great humbled himself and served us. It means we all have equal infinite worth and value because God himself valued us enough to come and save us. So the real question we all have to answer is, did Jesus rise from the dead? If he did, then it should inform, it should reform, it should transform every aspect of our lives. If you're, if you're ready to explore that or kind of be reminded of that. I've got three things I think we can do this week. First, let's pray. It might be a dangerous prayer. I don't know. Pray, God, if you, if you are real, show me and then transform me. And after you pray that, read what Jesus' best friend John wrote about him. Read 1 John 1, at least, at least once this week and once a day would even be better. Read what John said about Jesus and then write. I know there's a lot you have to do. As you read that, write what stands out to you. Maybe you read it once a day and you write one thing that stands out to you each day. That's it. Simple. Easy. Possibly dangerous. But worth it. See, something happened 2,000 years ago. The eyewitnesses were fundamentally changed, and they changed our world. They said we could experience the same change. Because of Jesus' resurrection, absurd love joy, peace, patience, acceptance is available to everyone who chooses to believe. Our lives can be renewed because Jesus' resurrection is true.
Thanks for watching this content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. Lots of information over here for you that I'm going to let you podcasters know. And those of you watching on YouTube, I want to say, first of all, thanks for watching and listening. And I want to let you know about some things that are happening at Cross Creek Community Church. First of all, on April 3rd, we'll have our Youth Connect event, which happens on the first and third Sunday of every month. This month, it's only happening on April 3rd because the third Sunday in April is Easter. So you'll be having Easter ham together. Um, so your middle school and high schoolers will be busy, but we would love to see them on April 3rd. We'll provide a dinner for them and there'll be small groups and games and all kinds of fun things for them. Our large group gatherings are happening actually three times this month because of Easter. So the 10th and the 24th are our usual Sunday gatherings. We'll provide a, a dinner or a meal for you. There'll be music, an encouraging message. We'll take communion together, which is optional, and then stick around for that meal portion. If you want to help out with any of those things, whether it's greeting or setup or tear down, or you want to provide some of the food, we have sign up options for you available. They'll be in the show notes. This is a great month to come check us out. There's lots of opportunities for you. That third opportunity that's like bonus is Easter. So it's actually on Easter Eve we're celebrating. We're celebrating on April 16th at 4.30 at the same place. And we're gonna have an Easter egg hunt afterwards with the kids. We're gonna blossom across, which is a beautiful picture of what Easter means uh, to Jesus followers all over the world. So you can take part in that. We'll also be doing our usual music and communion and a meal and uh, an encouraging message. So we hope to see you on Easter Eve. You can invite your friends. If you have any questions, you can always send us a note through our website or at info at yourcrosscreek.com. Last thing is, thanks for being for your neighbor this April. Our neighbors literally almost are at Judson Middle School. We're gonna be for them, for those kids there, uh, by taking part in donating to their community closet. We have an Amazon wish list that you can use. It's super easy. Uh, you don't even need to bring the items to the church gathering. They'll just be shipped to us automatically. So that Amazon wish list is in the show notes. Or if you don't want to shop at Amazon, you can go to your uh, different local store and buy those things new. They need sweatshirts, uh, shorts, sweatpants, body wash, shampoo, conditioner, uh, things of that nature. So the Amazon wish list will help you know what to bring. Uh, but we really appreciate you being for Judson and for your neighbor uh, this April. And we look forward to seeing you at any of the four events I just listed off. There's been information in the show notes. Send us a message. Thank you for liking and subscribing. Thank you for sharing this content with your friends. Uh, thank you for reviewing us, whether it's on Google or Yelp or Facebook or um, Apple Podcasts. It just helps other people uh, find out about Cross Creek and see them in their little algorithms. We hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. And we'll see you next week for part two of this new Absurd series. Okay, go. <laughs> 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 Today, Junior. <laughs>